Hello, welcome to our latest podcast on Around the Curve. Today is Thursday, March 17th, 2022. My name is Amr Hassan, Portfolio Specialist here at Brandywine Global Investment Management. And I'm joined today by John McLean and Bill Zox, Portfolio Managers on our US High Yield and Corporate Credit Strategy. Let's get right to it. Bill, let's start with you. Uh, the Fed just started liftoff yesterday. You, you know, walk us through how you think this monetary tightening is gonna play out and the impact on fixed income, the fixed income market in general. Sure, thanks, Amr. The Fed just stopped quantitative easing in the last few days and now has lifted off with the first rate hike, but the markets have been pricing this in for six months. And the two-year treasury yield, for example, is up 1.7 percentage points. And in the high yield market, the yield is up over 2.5 percentage points in just the last six months. And if you go back to 2018, the yield on the high yield market was up 2.2 percentage points, and that was a fantastic entry point for high yield. So we've come quite a long way in the first three months of this year, the last six months, and there are some compelling opportunities in U.S. credit. But it's really important to see interest rate volatility subside. When interest rate volatility is elevated, equity volatility is elevated, and there's pressure on all financial assets, investment grade fixed income, high yield fixed income, stocks. Uh, so uh, typically the Federal Reserve has played a part in, in suppressing that interest rate volatility, but this time with inflation elevated and the Fed behind the curve, the Fed is really not going to help to suppress that interest rate volatility. It has to be done by the markets. And I think that what we're looking for is the markets to become comfortable that peak hawkishness has been priced in. And we priced in seven rate hikes this year, a couple rate more next year. And we have also priced in close to a trillion dollar reduction of the balance sheet this year and another one trillion next year. So that is quite a lot of hawkishness that has been priced into the market. But I'm looking for signs in the bond market that we have reached peak hawkishness, then that will be very constructive for financial assets. And you see the Fed slowing down. They, if you, as you recall, in 2018, they sort of had to backtrack on QT. It was just too much, too soon for the market. Do you see the Fed responding to that? Yeah, again, I think that the Fed is very passive right now. It is just following what the financial markets are pricing in and financial markets will react to data as it comes in, and, and the financial markets reaction will continue to be volatile, but uh, it could mean pricing in more rate hikes, it could be pricing in less rate hikes. What is important is to get comfortable that the financial markets have priced in peak hawkishness, and then that interest rate volatility will subside, which will be constructive for all financial assets. Great. And John, let's get your thoughts. So let's transition to what you're seeing across fixed income in general at the moment. You know, investment grades down, high yield, core bonds, you know, heck, even bank loans. What are you sort of making of it? What we're seeing in fixed income at the moment is hiking to infinity and beyond. And uh, that's presenting a liquidity vacuum across asset classes. And as you mentioned, we really don't see any place to hide uh, except leverage loans, really, to start the year. Uh, we've seen historic outflows out of emerging market debt, uh, European high yield, 
And U.S. high yield seen 19 billion leave the asset class in the first nine weeks. So it's been indiscriminate selling, which is going to lead to opportunities. And we're seeing opportunities in U.S. high yield. We're seeing it in emerging market corporates, investment grade uh, corporates as well. You know, Europe is now pricing in a high probability of a recession uh, through their debt markets. And so it's important for investors to keep in mind that this indiscriminate selling means the baby is being thrown out with the bathwater and there are opportunities that present themselves through valuation correction. And high yields, one of these asset classes that corrects fast given the duration. We've seen record outflows uh, to start the year for, from high yield, but we've also seen issuance come down meaningfully. And so that's one way in which the asset class heals itself. And keep in mind, you know, U.S. high yield was set up very well for a pullback coming into 2022. We have no maturity wall, uh, which companies should be should be worried about refinancing. The quality of the index has improved massively as all the bad companies in high yield or most of the majority of bad companies in high yield uh, restructured during 2020. And we saw a number of fallen angels that still remain in the asset class. So the percentage of double Bs is, is much higher in the asset class. Interest coverage is at record highs because companies borrowed at record low yields. And uh, balance sheets remain in, in a pretty strong position for a go forward. So we feel very constructive about uh, the U.S. high yield asset class. All right. Th thanks, John. I think that's really helpful, you know, especially as investors are thinking about, you know, monetary conditions, Fed policy coming into the year and better part of earlier this year. What's really changed things is, is this very unfortunate situation in Europe, this war between Ukraine and Russia, incredibly sad situation, great humanitarian cost. But how are you guys thinking about this in terms of the broader implications globally, but also in fixed income as well as high yield here in the U.S.? Sure. I mean, the, the most lasting impact from the war is the pressure on inflation. And even if there were a ceasefire today, which we would all be thrilled about, I think you still see significant pressure on inflation going forward. And this is really a continuation of what we've seen over the last few years, but it's a deglobalization of the economy and in the U.S. and other major markets, companies and countries are establishing additional sources of supply. Uh, it's not just the lowest cost supply chain filled at the last minute. Companies want resilience in their supply chain, and they want to make sure that they have very friendly sources of supply and domestic sources of supply. So all of this is inflationary and it has been exacerbated by the war in Ukraine and even more importantly, the U.S. response and the global response to the war in Ukraine. So this makes the job of the Federal Reserve and other central banks that much more difficult because it has increased inf inflationary pressures in what could very well be a softer economic environment. But the U.S. is probably the, the best equipped country to deal with these issues. And within the U.S., the high yield market is probably the best market for a U.S.-centric investment. And one reason is that close to 20% of the U.S. high yield market is in energy producers and producers of other commodities. 
and also the vast majority of revenues in the U.S. high yield market are derived within the U.S. It is much less of a global market. So again, it is increasing the volatility. It's creating opportunities, and we think that U.S. high yield is a great place to identify those opportunities. Yeah, and that's really interesting because of how much we've seen spreads widen here in the U.S., just a lot of the dislocations within the market. And uh, so let, let's talk about where you're finding uh, from a more uh, sort of specific standpoint uh, where you're finding opportunities, just given these challenges. You know, what sectors or industries are you guys focusing on right now and why? You know, John, you usually like to say that no matter the market condition, there's a rock that we can hide under. Unfortunately, this time there have really been no rocks. You know, what have you been finding right now in terms of some uh, identified opportunities? So in terms of opportunities, there's a lot. You could put on a blindfold right now and throw a dart and hit value in the marketplace. And we're seeing it in investment grade and what's going on in investment grade is you have outflows from the asset class and issuance has been uh, continuing to be extremely strong. So you have big liquid new issues that are coming and they present very large new issue concessions. That's not our typical hunting ground, but uh, you know, it's an opportunity. Uh, we're seeing in emerging markets broadly uh, opportunities in the corporate sector and that's where we get to leverage the Brandywine uh, expertise across uh, a number of countries. So you can think of places like South Africa or Colombia that should benefit from uh, higher commodity pricing. And then our core market, US high yield, uh, there, there's a lot of places to, to participate. As Bill mentioned, energy is a big part of the marketplace and our energy companies aren't exposed to, uh, you know, what is going on with the, the humanitarian crisis in, in Russia and the Ukraine. Our companies are drilling in North America and we have a, you know, pretty strong backdrop in terms of the commodity for, for the intermediate time frame. So having a lot of exposure there makes sense. Uh, financials continue to be an area of opportunity we see. Uh, you don't have supply chain logistics issues with, with uh, mortgage originators, servicers, um, and companies like that. Technology, actually. It's not an area that you would necessarily think uh, you know, a fixed income, high yield manager would be paying attention to. But as we're dealing with wage inflation, as companies are looking to enhance labor productivity because they can't find people to hire, they're going to spend their CapEx, OpEx dollars on technology. And high yield technology has changed dramatically over the past decade. We have leading innovative companies. We're avoiding uh, areas like automotive. And you can think of chip shortages leading to uh, lower production. Really what permeates uh, high yield is auto suppliers. And, uh, you know, they have uh, limited pricing power with the, with the OEMs and uh, less Less manufacturing means less top line for, for those types of businesses. And you've got to challenge traditional thinking where we came into 2022 saying the cyclical industries like commodities were actually more defensive. So the other area that we're really avoiding, food and beverage, um, you've got rising input costs across the board there, and uh, telecommunications as well. A lot of competition in the space. Those are typically very stable industries, but we see 2022 is a, is a bit of a regime shift there. 
Great. And John, can we just go back to energy for a minute? Because I think that's something that comes up a lot in the high yield marketplace. And, you know, you guys made money and put up some pretty nice, uh, at least positive returns in 15 and 18 when a lot of uh, other competitors were down. So when you just think about uh, that part of the market, you, you guys did held in very well in energy when energy was challenged during those periods. Can you draw any parallels between now and what you've seen before? Are these companies in better uh, financial shape? You know, do folks have to worry that if oil prices come down dramatically to 60, 70, $80 a barrel, that maybe they're going to get whipsawed in energy. Are there any concerns about that? I think high yield energy has gone through a massive regime change. And as we go back and think about 2014, 2015, what occurred there, leading up to that, management teams improved their stock price by doing debt-fueled M&A at very high valuations. They spent more money than they made and Wall Street encouraged that type of behavior. That all ended in tears for, for the entire marketplace and management teams got gospel and they understood that you've got to live within cash flow. And as what we're seeing now is really that, uh, you know, version 2.0 of management capital allocation, which is meaningfully living within cash flow and using things like variable dividends to reward shareholders and living with much lower leverage than they historically have done doing deals M&A using equity as opposed to debt. So when we look at the, the marketplace, the leverage is substantially lower and the ability for these companies to weather lower commodity prices is substantially stronger than it has historically been. So you guys mentioned bank loans uh, as one of the places that we have seen some inflows. Uh, performance is probably held up maybe relatively better than other sectors in fixed income. You know, it tends to be a little bit more of a tactical opportunity. You know, we talk about the time to invest in bank loans is really when the market first starts sniffing out rate hikes. They've sort of been ebbed and flowed in terms of uh, the expectations for rate hikes. What are your thoughts right now on bank loans and how should advisors be thinking about the potential risks there and why would they, why should they be thinking about high yield? Well, when we get to peak hawkishness, and as we've discussed, the markets are already discounting probably seven rate hikes this year, a few more next year, and a significant amount of balance sheet reduction, uh, that'll be a very difficult environment for bank loans. Bank loans do well when the markets are anticipating the rate hikes, but once the markets have fully discounted the hiking cycle, it becomes a very difficult environment for bank loans. And usually at that time, the spreads on bank loans have become extremely tight and the prospects for earnings and economic growth are starting to be questioned. So the environment over the last six months to 18 months has been fantastic for bank loans, but we think that we're getting very near the end of that environment. Great, and, and maybe let's just get some final thoughts here. So Bill, what should investors be left thinking from here and the rest of the year and going into 2023? I know it's maybe a little bit too soon for next year, but we've already seen a lot of uh, changes and a lot of global events take place this year, but you know, how should they really think about the rest of the year, thinking about fixed income? Yeah, thanks. Uh, you know, I go back to the middle of 2014, about eight years ago when John and I first partnered up and at that time, the high yield spread was about 350 basis points compared to 400 basis points plus currently. And the yield to worse was about 5% compared to well over 6% currently. So the starting valuation is much better than it was when John and I first partnered up eight years ago. 
And we've probably been through two and a half to three credit cycles over the last eight years. And our approach has held up extremely well. The high yield market, as John mentioned earlier, is extremely resilient. So I think we're really at a, a very reasonable starting point. And no matter what happens, I think high yield is a very attractive asset class to generate returns above inflation. Thanks, guys. A lot of really great information here. Any final thoughts that you think that, you know, anything I didn't ask or you think that folks should know about right now, right? Especially in the high yield marketplace. The one thing I would highlight is that valuation has changed rapidly in high yield. We've seen the yield to worst on the index move out by more than 200 basis points since the beginning of the year. That change is larger than what we saw in the fourth quarter of 2018. Meanwhile, equity uh, drawdown is only about half of what we saw in 2018. So valuation matters. And our asset class is in a very strong position to weather the geopolitical turmoil that we're seeing. I just want to thank you both for your time. I think we definitely covered a lot of topics here that a lot of advisors, a lot of investors are thinking about and really struggling with right now in the fixed income market. So it'll be interesting to, to do this again three months from now, seeing how a lot of this has played out. But I just want to thank you both for your time. Really appreciate it.